Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. So listen, here's what I want more than anything today is Jesus to show up. I don't want just a normal church service. I've been in normal church services before, and, I, and I've been in services where Jesus Christ showed up. And can I tell you, I'd much rather him showing up than just have a normal worship service. Amen? Because Jesus, when he shows up, things begin to happen. So this morning, I've titled this sermon simply this, He is Alive. I want to share with you some, this morning some good news. If you, you know, it seems like in our world today that any time you turn the TV on or any time that you flip on the news, that it's constantly, it's bad news all the time. But I want to tell you this morning is this, is that there's some good news, or better yet, maybe I should say it this way, there's some great news. And that great news is this, that Jesus Christ is alive. That no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what is happening in your situation, no no matter what's happening around this world, that Jesus Christ is alive. He fulfilled his mission. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father today, praying for each and every one of us. And this is what he's hoping. This is what he's wanting. This is what he's believing for today. That somebody in this room would make a decision to follow after him. That's what he's praying for. That's what he's hoping for. That you would make a decision to follow after him. You see, from the moment that he walked into the desert to be baptized by John the Baptist, to the moment that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I want to tell you this this morning, something very important, that your face was in his mind, that he saw you. That's why he fulfilled his mission. That's why he went through all the cruelty. That's why he went through everything that he went to. Why? Because your face was on his mind. That's all he could think about as he was going through this mission, as he was walking and healing and doing all the things that God had sent him to do. Your face was on his mind. So he fulfilled that mission, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father today, looking down at at, at Legacy Church and churches around this world that that are filled with people, maybe for the first time, because it's Easter, right? Everybody comes to church on Easter. Everybody comes to church on Christmas. Why? Because that's just what we do. But what God wants is you to come to church on the other Sundays that we don't have Easter and Christmas. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to do something in your life that he's never done before. But what I've learned is this. you got to allow him to do it. Jesus is not going to force himself on you. He, he's going to stand there and he's going to allow you to make the choice to follow after him. You see, John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, one of my favorite scriptures says this, For God so loved the world, and the next word says that He what? He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn this world, but He sent His Son in the world to, to save the world. You see, when you love something so much... When you have a deep compassion for something, you're willing to give things up so that others don't have to give up. Moms and dads, you understand that. You've been there. You've given up things in your life so that your children wouldn't have to go without. So that's what Jesus did. He gave up his life so that you and I did not have to go through what we deserved in our life, and that is hell. 
He, that's what he went through. Why? Because he loved us that much. He gave his only son so that you and I would not have to go through the things that Jesus Christ went through. Why? Because he's, he's, he's love. But when you love something so much, you're willing to give up other things so that other people don't have to do it. For just a moment this morning, I want to refresh your memory. Maybe you've heard this, this story many times. Maybe this will be the first time that you've ever heard it. But this morning, I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you on a journey from the moment that, that Jesus broke bread with his disciples to the moment that he was resurrected from the grave. Because I want to tell you this morning that, that good news has a face on it, and his name is Jesus. The gospel has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the good news. If you're looking for good news, if you're looking for something in your life, listen to me this morning. I know that in this world we are constantly searching to fill a void in our life that only Jesus can fill. Can I tell you this morning this? Alcohol will not take care of it. Drugs will not take care of it. The other things in this world will not take care of it. But I know a man who will take care of it and his name is Jesus. So I want to tell you this morning, if you're looking for something, you found it in this room today because Jesus is here. He's good news. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing in your life. Jesus has the answer to everything that you're facing. Everything that you're going through can be found in one man, and his name is Jesus. You see, in Mark chapter 14, verses, or Mark chapter 14 through chapter 16, it lays out the story of Jesus from the Last Supper to the resurrection. You see, we find in Mark chapter 14, Jesus there eating with his disciples the very last meal that he will have the opportunity to eat with them. And in that moment, he looks at them. And can you imagine sitting in that moment? uh, And and when Jesus says these famous words, hey, guys, I want you to know something. One of you in this room are going to betray me. And can you imagine on that moment that people, there's, there's, the ones that are sitting there are kind of murmuring and talking under their breath. Who's he talking about? Is he talking about me? I don't, what, what, is he, what is he talking about? It really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But he says, one of you are going to betray me. And then Jesus does this. He takes the bread and he breaks it and he says to his disciples, guys, take this. This is my body. Eat it and partake of it and do the same thing with the cup. And as they finish up the Last Supper, Jesus, they begin to sing a song of worship. And then Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in a moment, his, his spirit is so troubled that he turns to his disciples and he says these words in Mark chapter 14, verse 34. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. But what I need you to do, guys, is I need you to stay here and I need you to pray. I need you to stay here and I need you to watch. I want want you to know something this morning. We have prayed for you today. We have prayed for you today. Before you came in here today, we prayed for you. Even though we didn't see your face, even though we didn't know your name, we prayed for you today that God would send you here today so that you can make a connection with him. So he looks to his disciples and says, hey guys, I need you to stay here. You don't understand what's about to happen. You don't know what's going on. But I need you to stay here and wait. So Jesus goes a little further into the garden and he falls on his face. And in that moment he begins to cry out to his father. He's crying out so intently that he's not just sweating but he's sweating drops of blood. And he says this, Father, if there's any other way, God, I'm I'm begging you, if there's any other way for me to get out of this, then let it be, God. But if not, I'll follow your will. You see, in that moment... It was a battle of the will. It was a battle of what do I do? Do I, follow G- do I follow God or do I follow myself? What do I want in that moment? 
And it's the same thing with you and I in our life today. It's a battle of a will. It's a battle of a decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to give him my life? Or am I going to follow my own direction and kind of do my own thing and just hoping maybe he'll let me into heaven one day? What decision will you make today? Because it's up to you. Are you going to follow God's will? I decided many years ago to follow his will. Why? Because my will led me to nowhere. But I knew and understand that God had a plan for me, and I didn't know what that plan would would hold. I didn't know where that plan would lead me. I just remember in that moment saying, Father, lead me. I give you my life. I'm going to follow your will. God, if this is what you want me to do, no matter how many times I've tried to get away from it, I can tell you on a, on a Thursday morning after a youth service on Wednesday night, I told Teresa, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. I can tell you that. I've done there. I've been there. But I made a decision to follow his will, not my will, because I knew that his will was so much better for my life than my own. So he's praying. He's crying out to his father, saying, Father, what am I going to do? What? And, and, and he begins to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to follow your will, Jesus. Same battle that we face every single day. You see, there's some of you in this room today that you were brought up in a Christian home. Your parents drug you to church every Sunday whether you wanted it or not. But you know what? I'm glad my parents took me to church when I was little. I'm glad they took me to church. I'm glad they drug me to church. But some of you have been raised in church. And as you've gotten older, this is what you've done. You've made your own decision, which is the way it's supposed to be. You make your own decisions. You start doing your own thing. But I want to ask you this morning, are the decisions that you're making in your life, are they the best decisions for you and your family? Because most of you in this room today, you were brought up in church. You know church. But for some reason, from, for some circumstance in your life, you've gotten away from church. You've, got, you've been hurt by leadership. You've been hurt by people in the church. Can I tell you this morning, we've all been there. We've all been hurt by people. But it's not about being hurt by people, but it's following God's will. You see, Jesus was hurt by so many people. As he was walking that road, as he was walking that journey, he was hurt by so many people. Even people in his own hometown did not, did not want him there. But he says, you know what, I, it doesn't matter to me what you say. It doesn't matter what you, what you do to me. I'm following God's will. I'm not following your will. Why? Because I've got to stand before God one day. I don't have to answer for you. I have to answer for myself. But we have to make a decision. Is it going to be God's will or is it going to be your will in your life? The battle for your will and your desire or is it God's desire and God's will for your life? You see, Jesus comes back several times to check on his disciples and he finds them sleeping. Like good, good disciples do. They're sleeping, they're tired and, and, and he looks at them and says, Hey guys, can you not just stay awake for an hour? Just one hour. And he looks at him and he says, guys, come on. Verse 38 says this, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The, the flesh is weak. You see, you may be here this morning. You may want to do the right thing. You may want to come to church. You may want to follow Jesus. Your spirit says do this, but for some reason your flesh is always overpowering what God wants to do in your life. And what you got to do, you got to put that flesh in its place and allow Jesus to lead you and to guide you in your life. So Jesus comes back the third time and he looks at his disciples and says, hey guys, I need you to rise up. They're coming for me. The crowd showed up 
being led by the, by the one who just moments before was sitting, eating the last meal with Jesus by the man of Judas. He was being, the crowd was being led by Judas, and the crowd was carrying clubs and swords. And what I love about that scripture there, it just, it just um, it makes me laugh. It's almost like they're coming after a hardened criminal. But they were coming after an innocent man. And so they showed up, and Judas walks up to him, and he kisses him on the cheek, better known as the kiss of death. But what I love about it is, is this, that Jesus still loved Judas. Even while he was betraying him, even while he was kissing him on the cheek, Jesus still loved Judas. And he went to the cross even for Judas. He still loved him because he wanted to do something in his life. He didn't want to give up on Judas in that moment. And begin, everybody begins to run away and they leave Jesus alone. And then in that moment they carry to Jesus and they make him stand in front of the high priest and the elders. And they begin to falsely accuse him of things that were not true. Mark chapter 14, verses 60 through 62 says this, Then the high priest stood before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus replies, I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. And in that moment, that's when they condemned Jesus to die. He's standing there in front of the high priest. He's standing there in front of the religious leaders. And in that moment, they condemn him to die. And what they didn't understand was this, was that the, the good news, the Savior of the world, was standing in their midst, and they didn't even know it. They begin to condemn him to die. And in that moment, the Bible says that they put a blindfold on him. And then it says that they begin to punch him in the face with their fist. And they begin to spit on him. Now think about this. This is an innocent man who's done nothing but heal people and love on people and give his life for people. And here he is, blindfolded, being punched in the face, being spit upon by these men who call religious leaders. Can I tell you this morning, religion will get you nowhere. Jesus is not looking for religion. Matter of fact, he can't stand religion. What he's looking for is a relationship. But they're punching him in the face. They're punching him. They're spitting on him in that moment. Picture it in your mind this morning. Jesus just standing there so innocently, and they're punching him and spitting on him. Then they send him to Pilate, who then sends them to Herod. And Herod didn't know what to do with him, so they send him back to Pilate. Jesus is standing there in front of Pilate in the crowd. And Pilate asked this question, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus stood there quiet and didn't say any word. And in that moment, Pilate sends Jesus away to be flogged by a whip that has nine tails. And at the end of it, there's metal or glass. For those that have seen the passion, you've seen that moment where Jesus was beaten so bad that you couldn't even recognize him. But think about this, as he was being beaten, as he was being struck by that whip, guess whose mind was on his face? Yours. You were there in that moment. He was thinking about you. He was, his focus was upon you, not what was happening in that moment. So they beat him unrecognizable. And now he's standing in front of the pilot once again and they put a crown of thorns on his head and he's, his, his back is laid open. His face is so swollen that you can't even recognize him. And now he is standing before the crowd with this crown of thorns on his head. And people are yelling at him, King of the Jews, they're mocking him. 
And Pilate asked the crowd, hey guys, what do you want me to do with him? And they began to yell, crucify him. The same crowd that was singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, just a few days later, is now the same crowd that was yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Sometimes we need to be reminded, guys, of what took place on that day. Please understand what happened on that day as Jesus went through what he did. Don't forget what happened on that day. Because it was for you. If there was only been one person in this world, just one person in this world, he still would have went to the cross. He still would have been beaten. He still would have fulfilled his mission. Why? Because he loves you that much. But he was beaten and bruised. An innocent man went through all of this so that you didn't have to. You see, I told you this morning that I was going to share some good news with you. I know that doesn't sound like good news. But wait. Because in that bad news moment, we have to understand this. In Psalms 30, chapter 5, says it greatly. It says, weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I don't know what situation you are in your life today. You may have been at home last night weeping. You may be going through some really, really difficult times in your life right now. But can I tell you this? If you will hang on, joy comes in the morning. That whatever you're going through, Jesus understands because he went through every single thing that you and I have faced in our life. We need to understand what was about to happen. I know it seemed dark in that moment. I know it didn't seem like there was a way out, but there was a man named Jesus who was about to show us that no matter how dark it gets in your life, that he has the power to overcome it. You see, the next day after that beating and after it, they yelled crucify him, they sent him, they led him away to a place called Calvary. They made him carry his own cross. And what I thought about is in that moment, that cross represented my sin. It represented my guilt. It represented my shame. Everything that I've dealt with as a sinner was on his shoulders that day. I should have been carrying that cross, but Jesus carried it for me. Why? Because he loves me that much. But he was carrying his cross and it gotten so heavy. Nowhere in scripture does it ever say that, that the burdens were so heavy for Jesus. But in that moment, he was, over, he was overcome. By, he didn't have any strength and the cross was so powerful that he dropped it and he couldn't carry it. There was a man named Simon the Cyrene standing beside him and they ordered him to carry the cross all the way to the top of the hill called Golgotha. About nine in the morning, they nailed Jesus to the cross and above his head there was a sign that said, King of the Jews. Moments later, he's hanging there on a cross, naked, and in that moment, he, ha he, he has made himself completely vulnerable to sin. Your sin is now upon him as he's hanging there on that cross in that moment. Your name was on his mind. Your face was in his heart as he was hanging there on the cross. From the moment of Adam and Eve when they allowed sin to come into their life, there was a man named Satan that I like to call the hitman. Because he has this contract out on your life. Why? Because he's trying to destroy the very thing that God is trying to do in your life. And on that day on Calvary, Jesus took your sin upon his shoulders so that you wouldn't have to go through what the enemy had for you. You see, Satan knows and understands that you're valuable so much that Jesus died for you and he's trying to destroy you. He's trying to keep you from what Jesus has for you in your life. 
And I want to tell you this this morning. There's some of you that sit in this room today that have allowed Satan to steal from you that doesn't belong to him. He's stealing the very life from you that Jesus has given you. And if you will allow him, he will destroy you. And just in that moment, moments later, as he's hanging there on the cross, Jesus says these famous words, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Your face was on his mind. Your face was in his heart. The insults began around the cross. People uh, walking, making fun of him, hurling insults at him. Hey, look, look at you now, Jesus, they yelled. You, you said you're going to destroy the temple in three days and rebuild it. What, you're, you can't even save yourself from the cross. Come down, almighty one. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law, are they're, they're mocked by Jesus. You saved others. Why don't you save yourself? You can't even save yourself. Messiah, the King of Israel, why don't you come down on the cross so that we can believe it for ourselves? Soldiers are gambling for his clothes. And around 11 o'clock that morning, Jesus is now, he's hanging between two thieves. One began to mock him. If you're who you say you are, save yourself and also save me. You see, they're, they're, they're criminals hanging there on the cross. These two criminals were hanging there and they were going to be dying in their sin. But can I tell you this morning, Jesus was hanging on the cross in the middle of these two th these thieves and he was dying for sin. He was dying for your sin. Sitting there st or crucified between these two thieves, he was dying for your sin. You see, one of the criminals hanging there began to notice and understand who Jesus was. The other criminal continued to hurl insults at him and did not believe who Jesus was. And then one of the criminals realized at some point that this man, what he's doing, he's doing it for himself or doing it for him. And he says to Jesus these famous words, remember me in paradise. Every ounce of strength that Jesus could muster up, he pushes himself up off the cross to catch his breath. Because when you die on the cross, you die of suffocation. Jesus looks towards heaven and he cries out these famous words, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he felt something that he had never felt before. His father had separated himself from him. Why? Because of your sin. A man that never knew sin in his life was now separated from his father because of your sin. He was alone on the cross. He was now all by himself hanging there naked on the cross as he was being made fun of. But remember, your face was in his heart. He was thinking about each and every one of you. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus separated from the Father. And here's the reason why. So you wouldn't have to be separated from God. Because can I tell you this morning, the only thing that separates you from God is your sin. That's the only thing that can separate you from, from our Heavenly Father is your sin. When you have sin in your life, it separates you from God. And what God did that day, He died on the cross. He felt that separation from His Father. Why? So you didn't have to. He did all of that for each and every one of us this morning. Because I knew about what that separation felt like in my life because I wasn't living for God at a time in my life. And somewhere between 2 and 3 o'clock, he's very thirsty in that moment. And again, he gathers, he gathers his strength and he pushes himself up 
And he says these words, Telestestai, which means it is finished. In that moment, Jesus commanded his hand or his life into his father's hand. He says, I commit my spirit to you. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus dies. They came a little bit later and they broke the legs of the criminals. Why? Because they were still alive. They broke their legs so that they couldn't push up on the cross so that they would die quickly. But when they came to Jesus, for some reason, he was already dead. They didn't have to break his leg. But what they did do, they took a sword and they stuck it in his side. And in that moment, blood and water began to flow. Every ounce that hit the floor, every ounce that hit the ground from his hands and for his feet was for every single one of you. It was for your healing. It was for your deliverance. It was for your freedom. Can you picture it this morning in your mind? The visual of what he's gone through up to this point. And so the Bible says that they laid him in a borrowed tomb. And I love this because I heard this week a pastor say it this way. That Jesus didn't purchase the tomb. Why? Because he wasn't going to be in it forever. He borrowed it. Why would you purchase something if you're not going to stay in it for the rest of your life? Amen? So he, purchased, he borrowed this tomb and they laid him in that tomb. Can I tell you this morning, unfortunately, death is a real thing. We've all been there. We've all had family members that have passed away in front of us. We've seen that sorrow. We've seen that pain in our own life, not only physically, but spiritually as well. You see, as I said earlier, Satan's main focus is to destroy you and to kill you. Some of you here this morning, you've allowed Satan to take from you that what doesn't belong to him. He has come to destroy your family. He's come to destroy your marriage. He's come to destroy your kids. And if you're not careful, he will do it and you will allow him to. You will sit there and watch it happen and not do anything because you want your children to be happy. Amen? Got kind of quiet there for a moment. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus didn't come to make you happy. He came to make you whole. Moms and dads, if your teenagers are doing things they don't need to, you better stop it in Jesus' name because it's up to you. Because he will destroy your family inside out because that is his goal in your life. He came to destroy you. Can you imagine what the disciples and what Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene is going through? A man that they trusted, the man that they loved, the man that they followed, the man that they just put so much into is now longer alive. He's dead. What are they going to do? Where are they going to go? What, are, what, what kind of answers do they need in their life? They didn't understand what was about to happen or what Jesus was doing in that moment. You see, when Jesus was in that grave, he took a little trip to hell. And he snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan himself so that you wouldn't have to. He did it in that moment. He chose to do it so that you didn't have to. Can you imagine that scene that day in hell when, because Satan thought that Jesus was dead? He thought, yes, victory is finally mine. And then he turns around and guess who's standing there? There's so much light that it just overcomes the darkness in that moment. And he reaches out in that moment and he says, thank you, Satan. I'll take that. That belongs to me. And in that moment, he's defeated in Jesus' name because of what he went through at the cross and through his resurrection. You see, the, the only difference in the two thieves that were hanging on that cross that day was this. One chose to believe in Jesus and the other chose not to. 
That's the difference in the two thieves. One of them chose to believe Jesus and the other chose not to. So my question to you this morning is this. What do you choose to believe? Are you going to believe in the one who's gave you everything in your life? Listen, I know you may not understand it. I don't understand it all. But I know what it's like to give my life over to him and to follow him in that moment. Why? Because he knows so much more than I do. But what will you believe in that moment? Today, in just a moment, we're going to give an altar call. And it's going to be up to you what you believe. Will you give your life to Jesus? Will you recommit your life to Jesus this morning? Or maybe for the first time, will you give your life to Jesus? I don't know, but what will you choose to believe? Because listen to me, this is not a fairy tale that I'm reading to you this morning. This is the truth. This actually happened. Over 500 people witnessed Jesus's when he come alive out of the tomb. They saw him standing there. This is not a fairy tale. This actually happened in our life. But are we going to choose to believe it? You see, just because I'm saved, it doesn't make me better than anybody else. It just gives me hope to know that everything's going to be okay. You see, on the third day, Jesus came out of the tomb. He's no longer in the grave, but he's sitting at the right hand of his father looking down and praying for you. You see that word, it is finished. If you look at it in the perfect tense in, the, in Greek, it says this. It's, it speaks of an action which has been completed in the past, but it still gives you the same results today. You see, what Jesus went through in the past on that day still gives you the same results today. It never stops. It never ended. So wherever you are in your life, no matter if you're here at church or you're at home, in that moment you can come to Jesus and give your life to Him. Why? Because what happened on Calvary that day is still good for today. It's still the same what Jesus went through that day. You see, in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to the lady, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Shelby, I want to ask you to come on up this morning. You see, Jesus is life. Jesus is the only way. Some of you this morning are searching for something that will make you happy. You are searching for something that will make you feel whole inside. Your job will never give you that satisfaction. Your family will never give you that satisfaction. Your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, none of those things will ever give you that satisfaction. The only place that you will ever find complete wholeness is in a man named Jesus Christ. Why? Because he gives you joy. He gives you peace. He gives you hope that no matter what is happening in your world, that no matter what is happening in your own life, that everything is going to be in control or everything is going to be okay. Why? Because Jesus is still in control. He's still in control. Jesus endured the pain, the humiliation, the loneliness, the beatings, the mockings, everything that he went to. And again, I say it to you for you to remember your face was in his mind. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, showed up early the next morning to prepare Jesus' body for, for burial. And on their way to the tomb, they're discussing who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they arrived, they saw something that they, were, that they didn't think that they would see. That the stone had already been rolled away. So they looked into the tomb, and there sat this young man all clothed in white. And Mary... 
The mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, they were startled, but the angel said to them, Do not be surprised. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. Hey guys, he's not here. He's been raised from the dead. Look, this is where his body was lying. And what I love about it, over in the corner, his grave clothes was folded so neatly. He didn't just take them off and throw them in the floor. He took time to fold them and to lay them over to the side. And they saw that in that moment. They were overcome with emotion. They were like, what's going on? What's happening? So they run back and tell the disciples, and Mary's there at the tomb waiting. And Jesus shows up behind her and and asks this question. He says, woman, why are you crying? Mary's thinking that the gardener is standing behind her, and, and her response was this. They've taken him away, but I don't know where they've taken him. Please tell me where he's at. And then Jesus calls her by her name and says, Mary. And in that moment, she recognized his voice. And she turns around and he's standing behind her. All that pain, all that that she felt prior to that moment was gone. Because the one that she trusted the most, the one that she loved the most, the one that had been set free by seven demons in her life, He was standing behind her, saying, I'm here. Mary, I'm I'm not, I'm here. This is not a ghost, this is me. And in that moment, everything began to change. The disciples ran to see what was going on, and they saw Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, that's why the resurrection is so important. Because no matter what the enemy tells you, no matter what kind of depression or darkness that you go through. You see, the enemy's going to tell you that Jesus is still dead, that Jesus doesn't care about you, that those church people, they don't really care about you. Don't go to church. Don't get consumed with that man because it's all a fairy tale. That's what he's going to tell you. But can I tell you this morning, that's all a lie. Because what Jesus went through, again, your face was on his mind. He came out of the tomb, guys. So that you didn't have to go into the tomb. He came forth by the power of God. Because of his resurrection, Jesus is alive. Because of his resurrection, we have faith. Because of his resurrection, we have hope. We have love. Jesus makes us alive. Everything that the disciples turned out to be in their life was because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything that you turn out to be in your life, if you choose to follow Him, all goes back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In that moment where He bowed His head and gave His spirit up so that you didn't have to. You see, the good news has a face and His name is Jesus. And so can I tell you this morning, I don't know if you believe in Him or not, This may be your first time to ever step foot into a church service. You may be searching for something in your life. You may be running from God. I don't know. 
But I do know a man named Jesus that has whatever you need in your life. Whatever you're going through, whatever sin you've committed, whatever's going on, none of that matters when when you put it under the blood of Jesus. You see, what Jesus wants is for us to come to him, make the choice to come to him and to repent of our sins. Do you understand what repentance is and what repentance is all about? When you repent of your sin, that means that you are changing your life. That means in that moment that you're not going to go back to living the same way that you came out of. But what I've learned in our churches today that too many people, what I like to call sloppy grace, they just they think that they can live however they want to. Why? Because they gave their heart to Jesus at one time in their life. Guys, if you are going to repent, change your whole life. Never go back to that person that you left. Make a decision. Make a choice to follow after Jesus. You're not going to have it all figured out. Listen, and, and it's not going to be an easy road. Can I just go ahead and tell you this morning? You're going to have troubles. You're going to have difficulties in your life. But none of that matters. Why? Because Jesus overcome all of it. And when you go through dark times in your life, all you have to do is come to Jesus and say, God, I don't understand why I'm dealing with this disease. I don't understand why my family is being split apart. God, I don't know what's happening in my life, but all I know is I trust you, Father, that you see the very end, and God, I'm going to, you're going to supply my needs. I'm going to trust you in that moment to know that you have already figured out what's going to happen. I just give you my life. I give you my family. I want you to bow your heads all over this house this morning, please. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.